Sport. It's your passion. It's your obsession. You want informed opinion and 150 years of wisdom? Know it all with the Sporting Life podcast. Welcome along to the latest Sporting Life rating podcast. David Orr, delighted to be joined by Cornelius Lysett, Ben Fernley, Rory Delaghi and Ed Chamberlain for our Magnus Cheltenham Gold Cup special. Um, it's going to be a trip down memory lane first while we look ahead to this year's race. And despite appearances, I don't think any of us stretch back far enough to talk about Arkel, who is widely regarded as being the greatest Gold Cup winner of all. Rory Delaghi, I'm not asking for the greatest Gold Cup winner, but I'm going to ask, what's your favourite Gold Cup winner? Oh, um, my favourite Gold Cup winner or my favourite Gold Cup? They end up being very different things, don't they? <laughs> um, I remember, a Gold Cup I remember very fondly because it's the first time I ever managed to catch any of it live on TV was Silver Box Gold Cup when he beat Bregon. Also my, my first ever uh, correct Andy Post prediction as well. I, I, uh, I ran home from the school bus that day and just got in in time to see them jump the last fence. And uh, I said to my dad, that'll win next year, pointing at the second. So uh, <laughs> uh, I've, uh, I've always remembered that very fondly since, even though I only caught uh, the last 200 yards of it. And what was your analysis to be so positive? I, well, I, at that stage, I've been watching the, the, the Saturday racing um, on TV with my dad for, for a couple of years. And he was a, was a massive National Hunt fan. So I'd seen, uh, I'd seen enough of, um, of Silverbuck and, and Bregon to feel that I knew um, what was what. And I knew that Bregon was the young up-and-coming horse. And I thought finishing second in the Gold Cup uh, would, uh, would set him up nicely. He always turned into a bit of a monkey, didn't he? Um, just looking back through the records, it was his last appearance in the Gold Cup, it was written by Willie Mullins. Which is an yeah, interesting one. Genuinely never knew that. Yeah. And that is a proper bit of trivia, isn't it? That yeah. really is a proper bit. If that's not on ITV between now and the middle of March, I will fall over in amazement. <laughs> and you can shout plagiarist from the top of your in the top of your voice, Rory. Uh, and uh, he, he naturally he pulled himself up when he didn't fancy it uh, that day under Willie. So it's... Uh, Worth, uh, worth asking the great man about that. Um, yeah, so uh, that, that was my earliest memory and um, obviously um, a fond one as well. But my favourite Gold Cup of all time and the one that gets played over and over on, on YouTube is um, uh, Don Ron's Gold Cup. Um, I, I was a, a huge Don Ron fan. Um, I remember watching her turn out for the second time in two days, second time in a day, essentially, to very nearly beat Gay Brief in the injury hurdle as a novice. And I thought she was a hell of a horse. She won a handicap the day before and came out and very nearly beat the easy champion hurdle winner. And I fell in love with her on the spot and followed her from that day on. So her gold cup where nothing really went right for her. Um, and she ended up, you know, we all know the, the famous Sir Peter Sullivan commentary is, you know, kind of the perfect horse race. It's Hollywood, isn't it? Um, so that, that would go down as my... Um, that's my favourite of all time and, and my favourite Gold Cup winner, I suppose, as well, in, in Don Ron. I mean, I've said it countless times, but I'm always on the wrong side of all these historical finishes, which is year, year on year. I was a wayward lad fanatic and it brought my heart when Don Ron rallied to beat him. And I mean, it even, it even got to the stage where I backed one of John Godston's in the Ebert under the toy. I think it was Far Ahead beat it of Les Ayres years yeah, ago. Yeah. And the tote big screen as their advert at the start of every meeting was the finish of that Eber. These, <laughs> these, these races, they follow me around, they haunt me, but they're stunning Gold Cup. But Ben, what, what's your favourite Gold Cup? 
Well, mine, mine's a, quite a bit more modern sort of take on it. I, the first Gold Cups I sort of watched with a lot of interest were that sort of, I think, one of the, the best generation of chasers, staying chasers in, in sort of modern times, at least, was the sort of Denman, Corto and Imperial um commander the long run those sort of those sort of horses were running when I was properly getting into racing when I first turned sort of 18 and was actually starting to bet and, and things like that so those are always that era is always always in in my mind um as especially the the Denman gold cup I, I can't count how many times I've watched the the YouTube video of that one with uh, Richard Hawes's commentary I think it was 2008 it's one of the best calls I think of still still the best call probably that I've ever uh, heard uh, in a race it's absolutely Fantastic the way that he the way that he built it up and and, and summarised the closing stages. So um, that that one will always be high on my list. But just in terms of a, a Gold Cup winner, personal perspective, um, I think much more recently Native River will will, will always be a fond memory for me. Um, a bit like Rory in a way. The the previous year when he finished third. I sort of said, thought to myself as he crossed the line, you know, that this this is a horse that will take a lot of stopping if 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 he gets a a real slog in a Gold Cup, and it just so happened that, well, a he was prepared perfectly for the race the following season. They they ran him just once in um, in that Denman Chase and and gave him a much lighter campaign. And two, he he got that heavy ground. He he got a really aggressive attacking ride, which obviously suits him down to the ground from from Richard Johnson and. He's just that archetypal staying chaser who perhaps isn't the classiest horse and it wasn't the classiest Gold Cup. It isn't a particularly uh, strong renewal of the Gold Cup, I don't think, but that he won. But it's just just the way that he did it, heart on sleeve, broke um, and broke the, the uh, Mike Bite in second, obviously, who's never really been the same horse since and has, has recently retired. Um, but that, that, that's the one that, that is rare in, in racing, that you call something as right as that and it, you get loads more things wrong than you do right but everything sort of aligned that day with the ground with the ride with with everything um coming into it and, and that, that 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 native river gold cup is going to take some topping for from me from a personal perspective and um again he, he he still retains a lot of his ability doesn't he so we might see him run a big race in, in, in this year's race as well, though it will take some training performance. Obviously, he's an 11-year-old now to, to get him in the mix again, I suspect. Cornelius, give us your uh, favourite. Well, I endorse everything uh, said. Where are we uh, going, Cornelius? 50s, 60s? What, where are we oh, going to go? Well, I'm going to go to, I'm going to endorse, uh, first of all, what Ben said, because that was. Uh, the Corto the Star and Demon is, are always mentioned, but it's important to mem- remember as well Long Run and Imperial Commander in that. That was a that was a real golden era, and I think as as Timeform uh, pointed out in um, in one of the essays I read uh, when the the latest annual came, or the last annual sadly came, was that sometimes racing takes a bit of time to recover from those golden eras. And, uh, uh, you know, when did that that golden era ended in 2011, 12, I suppose. And, you know, perhaps we haven't been so excited about some of the, the horses since even one that's won two of them. But um, no, the 1980s, I think, because the 1980s showed what heritage the Gold Cup had, what uh, striking, stunning performances of, of equine and human um, athleticism could take place. And also the fairy story wasn't just uh, the the uh, exclusive of the, of the Grand National. And, um, you know, thinking through the 1980s, uh, Little Owl with an amateur, Borough Hill Lad with, um, uh, who'd, who'd uh, won um, Hennessy, the Hennessy with an enormous weight, 
forgive and forget dawn run absolutely to win a champion hurdle and a gold cup within a couple of years and desert orchid uh and um and then i know it was in the 90s but norton's coin as well that that fairy tale success so if you that that era the, the horses were top notch the stories were top notch whether it was dawn run for Ireland winning the champion hurdle in the Gold Cup, the Thinker winning in the snow, Desert Orchid winning despite everything, Norton's Coin winning at 100 to 1. Those were were great, great times. Um, and, um, you know, if you ask me for uh, one, uh, I, yeah, I'd, I think it would be the Thinker. I know it's not the greatest performance. Uh, well, it was good performance. wasn't necessarily the greatest Gold Cup of all time, but the thinker to win it in the snow when it was practically midnight, or it felt like it anyway, was was a great year in uh, in '87. So I'd probably go the thinker, but uh, in a in about a five way photo with Desert Orchid in Norton's Coin and Dawn <laughs> Run and and, and, for, and forgive and forget. A fi- just final thing about that Dawn Run Gold Cup. Everyone always talks about quite rightly about Peter O'Sullivan's fantastic, fabulous, iconic commentary. But I worked with Peter Bromley and they they both worked in an era where commentary was not quite necessarily quite so forensic, but it was a fabulous performance. Uh, and you could just pick out little, little lines. And I remember Bromley at the top of the hill, uh, he said that, that there are four in line uh, or four to four, four who might win this race. There's, there's uh, run and skip and wayward lad and dawn run and forgive and forget. And then he took a breath and he said, harden your hearts, gentlemen, this will be a race to remember. And that, I remember that sent shivers up my spine. Absolutely right. And, you know, quite rightly, that race comes out time and time uh, again. And it was also, I think, was it the first time when they started having to control the crowds a bit more? Because Dawn Run had such a following from not just from Ireland, but both sides of the Irish Sea and John Joe O'Neill on top. So I think that was maybe the first year that they had to get a little bit, uh, flex their muscles a little bit and try and stop some people coming into the winner's enclosure. But they weren't very successful. I've got to say, the, not that part of the commentary, it sounds magical, but the, the Peter Bromley's finish to the Dawn Run Gold Cup is on YouTube. Uh, on top of the action, there's a phenomenal race commentary. Even that, even the the closing stages of it. Ed, last but not least, your favourite Gold Cup memory. I think Rory, you'll despair of me because I'm a bit of a philistine when it comes to the Gold Cup. Uh, before I presented the Gold Cup in 2017, I had only been to the Gold Cup once in my life, believe it or not. I went in 1993, Jadami's Gold Cup, and didn't particularly enjoy it because all I can remember that year, I backed a horse called Cherokee in the Arkle uh, Colours. Yeah and Duchess of Westminster, which and it ended tragically. So I remember going home really upset that day. And I never went back on Gold Cup Day because in my line of work, the Friday was always our busiest day, building to the weekend of football, um, particularly when I was doing Super Sunday and Monday Night Football. So sizing John's Gold Cup was my first experience of a Gold Cup um, since I'd been that one and only time in 1993. So it's all television for me when it comes to the Gold Cup. The one that meant the most to me was when Anthony won it on Synchronised. That, I know JP always says his greatest ever ride was Alexandra, and most people would say which alignment. For me, that was the best ride I have ever, ever seen. If you watch it back, the way he throws Synchronised, he was a lousy jumper, really, uh, at, the, at the final two fences. And if he hadn't done that, he just simply wouldn't have won the Gold Cup. It was just the most, I think it was the best ride I ever saw from him in it. I know it meant an awful lot to him, but I agree with what the guy is saying, what Cornelia said about the 80s. 
that was when Alderney is the one, the Grand National that got me into the sport. But then you're pretty quickly hooked in by all those stories and great winners in the 80s. And Dawn Run, obviously. And you're, you're so right. I always go on about this. A great sporting event isn't great unless it has a great commentary. And I totally agree with you, Ree Hoyles, um, Ben, with that line, two out was just amazing. But Dawn Run was incredible. But I think if I had to choose one, Audie, I'd go down the Desert Orchid route because what a day that was. I think when O'Sullivan's commentary said he's beginning to get up, I think the whole nation probably roared in front of their television sets. It was the most iconic moment in the sport, really. And would I be right in saying, would it have been a news headline that day, Desert Orchid winning the Gold Cup? I know Dawn Run had a big following, but I mean, Desi resonated everywhere. But Desert Orchid was far... Dawn Run had this iconic status for horse racing and for Irish and British horse racing. But Desert Orchid was, was with a huge amount of respect to all the other names that we've mentioned, perhaps with the exception of Arkell. Desert Orchid, you know, people used to... He used to come up in Parliament. You know, people used to talk about him in Parliament. People used to, you know, still 30 years later, people talk about Grey Horses and Desi. And you now he was a... He was... Uh, as a podcast that's coming out from sportinglife.com over the next day or two, we'll say in the introduction, he wasn't just a racehorse. He was an A-list celebrity. He'd have been on Love Island, you know. He'd have been a candidate for Love Island. Uh, and uh, if you're listening, David Ellsworth, I'll explain one day what Love Island is. <laughs> but uh, I know, he, he was... He was Absolutely. Rory, would you agree? He was, oh, yeah, you know, yeah, he absolutely. was. And the, the thing about discussing what's better and what's worse is that all these horses mentioned have either won or done really well in the Cheltenham Gold Cup. So fantastic performances. But there were some that just just went a little bit a uh, little bit higher. And I would suggest Desert Orchid was, was most certainly one of those. Rory, one name that's not been mentioned by anybody. Um, best mate, who won... Three Gold Cups, an achievement, a historic achievement, a remarkable achievement. We'll come on to a horse later who's bidding to do exactly that. And he's fallen into the same category. Is best mate underappreciated, do you think, as we, we look back over these Gold Cups? Um, I don't think so. No, I'm, as again, when you ask people for personal memories of the Gold Cup, they tend to... They, they tend to dig out um, those that, that appeal to them rather than trying to, to you know, rank the achievements and doing that. I mean, I, we kind of take, you know, the the, the feats of, of Arkle and Best Mate slightly for granted because we assume they are iconic. And it's like, we don't need to mention Best Mate because that's blindingly obvious. So I don't think he is, I don't think he is underappreciated. And I think... Um, Probably five or ten years after he was gone, people appreciated him more because there was a lot of talk at the time about, you know, Hen Knight's handling of him and, you know, she should let him race more. And, you know, he'd, he'd be beating these horses left, right and centre if he if he had more racing and uh, we're not getting the best out of him. And, you know, and he turned out to be, you know, remarkably delicate for a horse who, um, you know, had had the, the perfect build for a steeplechaser. And it turned out that all the people who, you know, who went after um, with a more swashbuckling approach to the Gold Cup horses couldn't replicate what Hen did with, with Best Mate. Um, and that was a remarkable achievement from, from horse and trainer. And I don't think uh, those of us who, um, uh, who've been watching this sport for, for 20 odd years um, will ever underestimate that. It, it, it's, it's an interesting one that 
um, it wasn't a great period for for um, uh, for three mile steeplechasing. I suppose you know it, you don't look back at those races and go you know what tremendous battle. I mean, he had a fair battle on his the, the third time he won it, um, but he wasn't beating great horses in any of those three years. But um, you know he was he was one of those horses who had a huge amount of presence about him. He was you know the perfect specimen, a tremendously handsome horse who also you know. Uh, produce the goods on the track as well. So if you ever saw Best Mate, you'd, 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 never, run, you'd never underestimate it. Maybe as time goes on, because we, we talk a lot more um, about that period when you had um, Denman and Cotto Star uh, with Imperial Commander and, and Long Run thrown in. And that was a great period, uh, as, as Cornelia says, a golden age. And Best Mate's era wasn't a golden age, but he was a golden performer. I want to pick up something Ravi said there, Connor. We've, we've been... Fortunate enough over the years on many press trips to, to many stables ahead of the big meet, big races. Best mate, when he was brought out at Wantage, was the first time I ever said, wow. He was an absolutely, I think he had to draw or produce the perfect steeplechase. It was him, wasn't he? He was a stunning looking horse. And the story of Best Mate wasn't just about the horse. The horse was um, a fabulous specimen. You're absolutely right. And you, you did say, wow. And Henrietta Knight used to use that expression, the look of eagles. Uh, and um, it was just to, to whether it was Exeter or Kempton or Cheltenham or Huntingdon, even when he was beaten at Huntingdon, uh, you know, he was he just commanded the situation. But the story was more than that because it was at a time when a um, the Cheltenham Festival had been lost in 2001 to foot and mouth. There'd been a lot of scandal and nudge, nudge, wink, winking, and talk of corruption, and and people were just generally not in not in a great mood. And it just needed something to just really boost everybody. And not only did Best Mate come along, but but he came along with uh, an owner, Jim Lewis, and his wife Valerie, who were fabulous characters. You know, if, uh, you know, they'd have filled a, a, a whole ITV one, if you were having a quiet day, um, uh, if you were having a quiet day, Ed, when uh, racing was abandoned here, there and everywhere, you'd wheel in Jim Lewis and Valerie and, uh, you know, you wouldn't get a word in, you know, they were off and running. So the the, the owners were great characters and the trainer and the, uh, the uh, trainer's husband were a fantastic couple uh, and a, a couple that, it's almost impossible to, you know, everyone else probably knows other sports better than I do. But, you know, a, a, a couple that combines skill and colourful characters and senses of humour and laughs uh, and eccentricity and everything. I'm not sure. Can you think, Ed, of, of, of an, you know other sports much better than I do? But, you know, th- they were an extraordinary no. pair. Very British though they found him in, in a point-to-point field in Ireland. Uh, and they were very much part of the whole thing. So Best Mate did his three. Some of the opposition people said wasn't that good at the time. But the whole picture was just a, a fabulous, a fabulous picture, the Best Mate story. Could almost be a podcast from SportingLife.com. It could Maybe almost it be the be latest in, in the set. series. <laughs> so be women. We're coming after you, audience, Ollie Bell. Uh, ben, I want to talk to you about... <laughs> I want to talk to you about... Um, the good day we talk about Ditchett and those rivalries, the Denman, Cotostar, yes. Cotostar, the only horse ever to regain the gold cup crown. What a, that was just one magical afternoon at Chelmer. Yeah, and it, 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 it's, it's, such a, it's a race where it takes so much out of a lot of horses, doesn't it? It's unlike 
it's unlike a champion chase or, you know, a Ryanair or a champion hurdle even. It, it makes horses go to the limit of their stamina and through the pain barrier. And, and that's why I think it's so remarkable when you get these these multiple winners and not only the multiple winners to do it back to back, but but or even three times in a row. But I think it almost makes it all the more remarkable to to, to, to lose your way with a horse like happened to Corto and then and then come back and and it's yeah it's, it's, it's the reason why he's one of most people's in racing certainly my era uh, he's one of the, the the stories that people sort of attach themselves to and latched onto the most I think certainly among my friends and 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 people that I've chatted to growing up in racing he he was always the the horse that you know this generation it really captured their imagination and um, obviously it. it you see it with the likes of Native River in a way. He put up that huge performance, and you just wonder whether he's he's going to be able to go back to that that sort of that that sort of level ever again, and and possibly not. Now he's been sparingly raced since, and um, that's I guess leads us on to Album Photo in a way because he's he's been campaigned in the best mate style of essentially just making it about one race a year and perhaps that's the only way that you can get these winners that will come back and 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 keep running to their best in the race year on year on year is to essentially make the whole season about that race and that race only because it does take obviously take such a, a lot out of horses that was a glory of, of those years only the same cast rolling up year in year out to do battle and ed i'd imagine with your editorial hat on you'd love to to get, be able to get your teeth into something like that now. The characters who were involved, the horses, the jockeys, the owners, it, it had a bit of everything, didn't it, that, that era? Absolutely. And editorially, Audie, it's, it's a sign of a good podcast, but it's much more fun listening than it is actually speaking. I love hearing those <laughs> stories. And I'd love to have, I'm not sure it'd be a great time to uh, interview Best Mates owners the night after your team's lost 9-0. They were mad about Villa, weren't they, Cornelius, and, and mad about so football as well. Yeah. yeah. So absolutely. And that, that's what you want, Audie. We've been lucky on the flat to have it with Enable coming back for more, Stradivarius coming back for more, because these are the horses that resonate with the, the general public. And Corto and Denman did that brilliantly. Um, and, and were horses that people took to, not necessarily stories behind them. But there are, there are a few bits and bats around at the moment. I mean, the, the sadness is lost in translation. You'd love to be fit and firing because the story behind lost in translation is extraordinary really with the owner and the minions colors and of course what the what the tizards have been through but as, as a tv presenter you do yearn for those for those days and and listening to this you you yearn for the 80s because the 80s i think from this conversation is when the golden period i think you described it as cornelius i think when you look through those winners that was the golden period i know you can say best mates and cortos and all that but that was a vintage vintage few years for the gold cup Boy, I'm heading back to the 80s now. I don't just mean with this jumper I've got on. It's the <laughs> one of the greatest festival feet of all time from a trainer. Michael Dickinson's one, two, three, four, five in a gold cup. I mean, can you even try to put that into context? Uh, it, it's almost impossible because the, the the stable back then, it wasn't a huge stable he had either. He didn't he didn't have 150 horses. Um, his strike rate was I think over 30%. And, and and maybe a fair bit higher than that from for most of the season then as well. He was he was virtually untouchable. Uh, almost all his horses were were high class. Um, and yeah, that's a story that I mean it's been told often enough, but it's a story that that's well worth uh, revisiting because um, 
as as we all know, Michael Dickinson was was obsessive in the way that he trained his horses. Um, he absolutely every minute of his day was was lived. Is that I just saw that video someone posted on on YouTube earlier today of him getting up in the morning and heading to the yard. He doesn't just he doesn't walk across to the yard. He sprints to the yard first thing in the morning to see the horses, and that's kind of what he was like. Um, and, and still is like, I suppose, uh, although he's, um, he's got other fish to fry at this stage. Um, but yeah, it was a remarkable story because, um, you know, these, the, the likes of Brigon and, and Wayward Lad and Silverbuck were great horses who had, um, you know, they were capable of winning all the big races, the, the King George and the Gold Cup. And they were, they were icons, um, all three, uh, Wayward Lad and Silverbuck, slightly more so at that stage. Um, and, you know, I know that at least two of those horses um, were long odds against to, to run in the race um, with setbacks, particularly Silver Buck, um, who he had a fret with all the way through. So to get the five of them there on the day, it's a bit of a cliche, isn't it? When you back a horse, anti-post for Cheltenham, well, he's even money to get there. Well, getting those five horses, and they were the only five possibles he could have run in the Gold Cup, to get them to line up in the day was a Herculean task. And to get the winner... Uh, although you know he dominated the market there, was still was still pushing it as well. But to to get the the, the three places, um, Bregon, Captain John, and Wayward Lad, uh, was absolutely remarkable. And then you get the commentary of reading through the field again. Silverbuck was was well beaten and fourth. And then you had about a minute's wait it seemed <laughs> before finding out who had finished fifth. And it was I think it was just Ashley Harris in, in front of Rich D um, and Coombs Ditch. Uh, so that was it's just an unbelievable effort. Um, you know, we're getting to the stage now where you know the big trainers could have 250, 300 horses at their um, uh, at their beck and call, not necessarily in the yard at the time, but they've they've got the call on these horses, uh, and the possibility of having the first three or the first four home in a big race is there. Um, but to have gone back to 1982 and done that was absolutely stunning. Wasn't there, there was a great story how Dickinson, as he got as he assembled his five together, he used to drive along, train near Leeds, and used to drive along, and he used to do his Peter O'Sullivan impersonation. And it's Brigon and Silver Buck, and here comes Ashley House. And then the next week he'd do, and it's Brigon and Silver Buck and Ashley House, and here's Wayward Lad. Uh, and then the week after that, he'd add in Captain John as well. It's a one, two, three, then a one, two, three, four, and a one, two, three, four, five. Michael Dickinson, which he obviously never believed would happen, but extraordinarily, uh, it did. And um, amazing when O'Sullivan looks down the field, doesn't he? Oh, would you, would you believe it? And he's going to have the one, two, three, four, five. <laughs> it is a great one of my favorite comments related is that Red Rum's third national, and it's I forget what the commentator is, he's going through the field after the finish. I'm seventh is blah, but eighth is Waterbuck. I'm last to finish. It's like, who cares what's the last to finish? <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> that minute, it just switched back on. So that's that's Gold Cup memories and so many wonderful ones. I mean, my favourite one was Garrison Savannah. Pure Why? and simple. I, I, genuinely, I backed him, watching him in a pub as a student. So the pool table, stop playing pool, back Garrison Savannah. And I, it was a horse who was plagued by back issues. Be careful here, man. Trained by Jenny Pittman. I don't want you upsetting her. Yeah, yeah. A wonderful Jenny Pittman. The <laughs> wonderful Jenny Pittman, yeah. A horse was plagued by, but he produced an absolutely stunning round of jumping that day. Big drama, um, big, big big drama that year because Mark Pittman, uh, uh, the excellent Mrs. Pittman's son, rode uh, uh, Garrison Savannah and then bust his shoulder, I think, in a fall in the last race. Was it the county hurdle? County hurdle, uh, yeah. Last race of the day. 
and uh, I have to say uh, the the BBC uh, radio team was not quite as on the ball as ITV would have been uh, for this particular thing. So we were doing a lot of reporting of great day for Mark Pittman, uh, who wins the Cheltenham Gold Cup on the horse trained by his mother, Garrison Savannah, not quite uh, referencing the fact that he was actually in Cheltenham General Hospital um, and, and struggling a bit. So you've it's got to keep. Way, uh, wasn't it? Yeah, that sounds exactly the, the kind of thing I would do. Which, which year was the Carville Hill Golden Freeze? Ninety-three. No, it was uh, who oh, won it that year? I'm just yeah. I'm probably wrong there. I was there at that year. The Car- Carville Hill. Yeah, that, that it was with Carville Hill. You, you got the impression that somebody was going to try that one day. Was that Cool Dawn's year? Was it as late as that? Not Cool Dawn. Think- not, not Cool Dawn. Um, uh, it was um, cool ground. I mean, cool ground. It was cool yeah. ground, wasn't yeah. it? Because they tried to set the vote up for Toby Tobias, but he was being at the top of the hill, wasn't it? Yes. But you always got the impression. Oh, no, sorry. Are you are you suggesting there were team tactics going on there? <laughs> no, I'm not. The nothing has been established. <laughs> the, the, the the jockey club inquiry at the time made it very clear. No, but you, you always got the impression with Carbo's that somebody would try that. That once he got, he was a monster, and when he got into a yeah. rhythm, rolling up front. He was got, he was impossible to bring. Something would try to would have, disrupt if, that early rhythm. If Garrison Savannah had back problems, um, Carvel's Hill was was absolutely plagued throughout his life by by a terrible back. And, and then um, Garrison Savannah rolled up at Aintree three weeks later, didn't he? And, and nearly won. Uh, and ne- very ne- very nearly Either. won. Yeah, we, we we haven't actually discussed whether you know whether it's good, bad, or indifferent that these horses don't tend to run in handicaps. Now, I suppose from a time form point of view, the fact they don't run in handicaps makes it, does it make it that much trickier to actually assess them or um, do you have enough criteria for it not to be an issue? I think that some of the, the the huge sort of weight carrying performances, they they tend to lend themselves to big figures, don't they? Like when you, when you can give weight, you can give 10 pounds and then still beat a 155 horse by 10 lengths. They're, they're the, the kind of performances are certainly going back through history that, that produced huge time form ratings, I think. Um, whereas now you, you really don't get that, do you? I mean, uh, Native River would be one of the few that's, that's run in a handicap in the even the, follow, the season before and then ended up figuring in a Gold Cup. So it is, it is different, but I think there's there's still enough to to sort of to, to, to rate them clearly. But it, you don't tend to get those freakish um, handicap performances like like you used to in those graded handicaps that that obviously back through history um, lend themselves to, to huge ratings. Well, the irony of that is sorry, I was going to say the irony of that is that when top class horses run in handicaps. They almost invariably win. Yeah, yeah, I know. It, it's it doesn't make any sense. There's a, obviously a consensus amongst trainers nowadays, isn't there? That it's it, it's 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 bad for the horse to carry weight and give a lot of weight away in in something like the Welsh National. If you've got, you know, I mean, look at Nicky Henderson's comments with 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 his two horses that he's been trying to get a run into. He ended up running Santini in basically a, a woefully inadequate test of stamina in the King George when he could have in, in going back 20, 30 years, a trainer would have run that horse in um in a handicap, wouldn't he? He'd have run him in the, the Welsh National or the 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 Hennessy or something like that, rather than dipping into um just basically only solidly wanting to run against horses that 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 are off level weight. So it's a shame. And it d- does add add another element to to racing as well, I think, when you get those uh, really good horses in handicaps, so, but you know that's that's a different issue, and maybe it's something that in in the future will be readjusted a little bit. But who knows? It it is actually just worth so, sorry to interrupt, Dave. Because the so Arkle was rated two one two by Timeform, 
And album photo, as we sit here today, is rated 171 by uh, by Timeform. Um, that that you know, and um, Quarto Star 191, Desert Orchid 187. So it, 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 I don't know whether that illustrates what some people think about album photo or just the superiority to think that Arkle 212 uh, and Quarto Star 191 just you know how and presumably the same criteria Timeform was using in the 1960s. That's the great thing about Timeform compared to the official ratings, because official ratings are adjusted every now and again. I remember there was a big adjustment of, um, of figures, was it end of the 90s, something like that. Whereas presumably, Ben, Timeform's criteria has been the same since the since the year dot. Yeah, absolutely. And that's that's what I think is is part of why why it's so, so interesting with the old annuals and going back through time you can you can get a rough comparison of of, of the merit of horses that, that that have run in different generations across different de- decades although it's obviously never it's never you could never run the, the race obviously but you can get an idea of hopefully where where the, where they might have finished in the order and obviously those figures are just just crazy i just uh, working with the figures every day you just can't imagine seeing a 200 odd rated horse that just uh, doesn't really compute with your brain to be honest um, but just talking about these good races I mean I've been reporting on jumpers bumpers for the last three days so I mean <laughs> go talking they're about a real it, thrill aren't they it, it, seems, <laughs> it seems like uh, a different year to be honest that we're going to be having a gold cup and it, it's only about a month and a half away so um, this this conversation's helped uh, help get me back on track anyway from those <laughs> <laughs> anyone I know it's what a sidetrack but anyone who has a bet on a on a jumper's bumper, it's it's balmy, isn't it? You know, look at I Wright, who runs an absolutely sp- splendid race in the um, in the uh, great your, oh, Sky Bet Chase, um, and um, you know, w- well beaten in a Newcastle jumper bumper just the yeah. other day. So who'd they're, have a bet? They're very, they're very hard races to get any any kind of reading on, even before or after. To be honest, you, you might as almost might as well throw them out in terms of a, a form guide of any kind um and i write's a good example of that really but yeah the less less time we spend on talking about those the better <laughs> <laughs> I, i'm going to end the nostalgia section with a, a very unfair question to rory but yeah. I, 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 the time form figure for arkel is incredible and clearly a, a, a freakishly talented horse do you honestly believe that the horse has been followed who could have given 21 pounds to a peak Corto star um that's yeah so it's a, a almost impossible question to yeah. um, to answer i doubt that arkel could have given two stone to Cotto star at kempton the day that Cotto star won the um won the king george by 36 lengths i don't think any horse could have given him a stone that day but you know that that's the, that's the thing with the figures you know if you if you're um if you're giving if you're given three stone which arkel was on a regular basis to horses who were good enough to run in a gold cup um, then it's impossible not to not to give him a massive rating because of it. Um, but you know, yeah, it would have been interesting to 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 see sort of. And again, you know, you you take something like Captain Christie. Uh, Captain Christie's um, uh, um, King George uh, was an absolutely monstrous performance. But of course, our uncle was was running uh, these races and and stringing them together over a, over a matter of seasons. And you know, we we lost him from the game when he was. Still a relatively young horse. That's the, the remarkable thing about it. Um, so nine, yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, you know what he could what he could have done um, is 
uh, is frightening, really. And I suppose the one the one risk really to I mean, people thought Millhouse was the best. People were absolutely convinced he was the best horse since Golden Miller and possibly better than Golden Miller when he came on the scene. And he ran away with the Gold Cup in 62. Um, and then for you know a couple of years later, Arkle beat him in the um, in the Gallagher Gold Cup at Sandown and broke the course record by a huge amount. Absolutely smashed the course record um, when given, giving I think what he was giving uh, Milhouse at that stage, but it was it was a best part. It was a stone, I think, or thereabouts, because he'd beaten Milhouse a few times. And Milhouse was, you know, everyone who was who who saw that thought Milhouse was back to his best because he bowled along. Um, he jumped brilliantly because Milhouse could one of those horses who could take a fence home with them. But when he jumped well, he was very good. Um, and people thought he was going to win the race um, on the second circuit, and then Arkle decided he'd had enough of that and just skated away uh, and won by 20, 25 lengths. Um, and to do that, giving lumps of weight to a horse like Milhouse at his best, shows that you know he is off the scale. Um, but asking whether you know whether a horse from the sixties could give two stone to a horse from the nineties is is a rather pointless question. You just you just have to appreciate you have to appreciate the great horses for what they are, rather than trying to put one down. Just put into perspective what you achieved there, it, 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 absolutely phenomenal. I had no idea we tied at nine. Either Arkle, incredible. Yeah. Of course, the Arkle this year at Cheltenham sponsored by Sporting Life. Just thought I'd drop that in there, Ed. Just practice for you in March. We're going to look ahead to this year's Magnus Cheltenham Gold Cup now, um, just briefly. And Ed, we're going to start with you because we've got a horse here in Album Photo who is bidding to win the great race for the third successive season. Feet we touched upon with best mate there. So why is he not the ultimate poster boy for jump race? Why are we not talking about him all the way in the build-up? so unfair to go from Arkle to Album Photo. That's, that's, that's quite hard. Why? I think the Cornelius theory is probably part of it, the name. I think the owners... Well, it's not the worst French name, is it? <laughs> it's not great. Um, the owners are invisible and we never see him, Audi, um, would be part of it. He just doesn't resonate, unfortunately, outside of, of racing. And the horse himself, I mean, he's not particularly spectacular looking not that I know a great deal about that he doesn't jump particularly spectacularly he's just very good um there's just nothing particularly spectacular about him and you took all these horses we've been talking about there's something about them that's really really special album photo is just really good um and that's some achievement to win two gold cups he's the horse that reached the holy grail for Willie Mullins and won him a gold cup and yet as we've been discussing over the last few weeks there's just no column inches about him at all and the truth is after his appearance at Tremor this weekend he's like you in a very expensive couch right now with a massive cigar watching the others in heavy ground in this country and then beating themselves up in a Holland very content ready to go to Cheltenham fresh as anything he won that gold cup last year up the hill for me I always go on about it. I always think chasers like that have got one big performance in them often and he was the freshest horse given a brilliant ride in that gold cup and I keep trying to find one to oppose him with this year and everywhere you go and every line you go, it comes back to album photo, which is infuriating, but just shows you he's just good. That's what he is. On time form ratings, Ben, where would he sit? Is he a good Gold Cup winner? Um, he is, I'll just pull his uh, ledger up here. He achieved, so last last year was 168, which is less than 
um, less just just on the the lesser side really. You'd expect low one seventies for say an average goal cut, mid one seventies, and high high one seventies for a really good one. Um, so he's run to high one sixties on time from ratings for for both his wins in the goal cup. Neither of them, I, I don't think, have been particularly strong races as that that sort of rating would uh, would suggest. But I think the thing about him is that he's won two gold cups uh, on the bounce and he's won them uh, despite different, different um, sort of the way the race has unfolded in a different way on both occasions. I think the first one, it was quite a well-run race. It was more of a test of stamina. He won that by two and a half lengths. And last year it was completely different, really. It was a bit of a, a sprint um, by, by gold cup standards. It really didn't put the emphasis on stamina at all, um, but he was still able to, to get the job done and, I thought Santini, if it had been a, a, a more of a slog, he might have got the better of him. But I think Album Photo does have that versatility to have been to have been suited by uh, a test as well. So he's versatile. He can win in different ways. Um, he's not the most likable horse. He's not a public horse, as as, as everyone's already um, mentioned. But um, you know, he's he still could have bigger performances in him uh, just because just because of how lightly raced he is. Um, he's only had six starts since that freakish run out at Punchestown in uh, the back end of 2018, which, you know, he, he's achieved an awful lot since then in six starts. Um, and, and he could, and the right circumstances, still have a bit more to offer. But at the moment, he's a, he's a very versatile, solid horse, not spectacular, not that remarkable. Um, but I think he's, he is the one to beat. He'll go into the Gold Cup as the top rated with time form and, and set the standard. And it's up to some of the others to come and improve past him, I think. Roy, what have you made of him? Yeah, I, th- I think the points made um, thus far are valid enough. He, he's... he's um... It's not like he's a hard horse to warm to. He's he's just um he's just a little under the radar in terms of of um uh yeah his connections. Um Willie doesn't make a massive song and dance about him. Um the Donnellys aren't exactly uh, front and center either. So there there is that kind of that vacuum there. So it's not like people don't like album photo, it's just that there isn't much presented for them to uh, to get attached to. Um, I think even if he wins the third Gold Cup, it won't make a huge difference to it. We'll we'll put him on a pedestal, but it'll be it'll feel slightly slightly odd. Um, but um, yeah, he's he, Willie's very much got an idea of um, of what suits him. Um, he's always had a lot of talent. Uh, it took him a little while just to to channel that um, correctly. He took he, he gave Ruby a horrible fall on the RSA, didn't he? Um, late in the day, and of course he would have bolted up a punch of time on what was a very strong race. Um, but for that uh, brainstorm that, that Paul Tynan had on the day, uh, and since then he's been he's been virtually perfect, really, hasn't he? Um, uh, aside from when Ruby wrote his farewell winner, um, but that still ends up being one of his best performances, and possibly his best performance on paper, I think, according to timeform figures, uh, when he was beaten there at Punch's time. Um, and uh, he'll go he'll go to Cheltenham, you know, with every chance, with the same preparation as he had. Um, last year, a few people weren't particularly impressed by him at Tremor, but Tremor is just one of those tracks where, how again, how exactly are you going to knock someone's eye out with the performance at Tremor? You're, um, they don't need him to win by by forty lengths. Um, it was it was a, a very well run race. He beat the same horse he beat last year um, by by three times the, the distance in the end. Um, so you can't really knock it. Um, he holds a little bit back for himself, so he doesn't he doesn't push himself to the limit. Um, and you know, 
you, you can certainly see him running a massive race again. There might just be better horses coming through this year. That's the, that's the, the question. And, um, you know, you, last year's race looked a decent enough one on paper, but the, there were a lot of horses very close up. You had the likes of Real Steel trading at about two to one and running at the second last fence. Um, and uh, Santini and Lost in Translation haven't exactly made the form look stellar since. So it will be a stronger stronger race this time around. I think Henry de Bromhead is the, is the trainer who's sitting prettiest at the moment. Um, that might change in a, in a few days with the with the uh, Irish Gold Cup. But um, I'm I'm very keen on both of his horses. I was kind of hoping that a Plutard would have gone elsewhere. I, I I fancied him as a champion chase horse last season, but he's very much proven his stamina for three miles with that win at Leperstein over Christmas. And Manella Indo's a horse. Um, I again, the first time I saw him, he he really uh, impressed me and. Uh, he went to the Albert Bartlett with completely the wrong preparation for a race like that. Um, we always talk about how, how experience counts for a lot in certain races at Cheltenham. And the Albert Bartlett is one of those. You don't go there with two runs under your belt and expect to be competitive. Um, and he did everything wrong today. He pulled like a train in the early stages. Um, and he still um, came home and, and won that race well. And no one really took that at, at face value. He was still quite a big price to beat Alaho when they met at Punchestown later in the season. And he got it done. Henry doesn't doesn't over race his top horses, which is frustrating if you want to see them in action and, and show how good they are. And again, he had a very light campaign going into the RSA last year. That ended up being a bizarre race in the end, didn't it? Um, I, I still think the second and third were the best two horses in the race as it went. Um, and he, he um, Manila Indo, um, had done nothing wrong at all until taking that fall at Leopardstown. Uh, which he needs to put behind him. But if he does, then, um, you know, Henry will will be very, very happy with what he has heading into Cheltenham. And I'll be disappointed if one of those two doesn't win. Brilliant. Thanks, Robbie. Connie, what's on your radar for this year's Gold Cup? Well, it's the same. Solid, not that remarkable, is how um, uh, how Ben some, summed up album photo. And I think that's, that's absolutely right, despite what he's achieved, which is clearly uh, uh, tremendous. But they're... No, to win three gold cups, after, so you're in the same breath then as Golden Miller and Happens Grace and Arkle uh, and uh, Best Mate uh, is is uh, one thing. A few horses have won too, and I just wonder whether he might be the latest in in that particular list, which is remarkable, but um, doesn't doesn't put him right up there if if you like. But but you know, with horses like the De Bromhead pair, Aplutar and Manello Endo. And and these other horses, look at Champ and Santini, um, Frodon, Royal Pagai, surname potentially, I suppose. You know, it does look it it, it looks as though there is a an opening there for something which is rising up the ranks. And you know, I I rather hope Royal Pagai um, continues to to go up. He won the Peter Marsh Chase in the eighties. Those horses like um, Little Owl certainly won the Peter Marsh Chase. The thinker did the thinker win a bit. Bragorn won it, but I don't think it was the same season um, uh, as he won uh, the Gold Cup. I think he might have been second. The, the it might have been the year he was second. And Jadami won the Peter Marsh as well. So just wonder whether you know that might be a nice little boost for Haydock, nice little boost for handicaps, nice little boost for the way things used to be done. If this horse could continue to emerge, he's got some he's got some work to do, but not a massive amount of work to do. Uh, um, Royal Pagai, uh, and he's in those those colours of um, of Susanna and Rich Ritchie, the the pink with the the green spots. So 
Um, yeah, I, I'm really keeping an eye on him. I think at 10 to 1, he's he's quite an exciting uh, prospect. But, you know, we've got the Champs and the Santinis as well as um, this Irish Gold Cup coming up um, a few days after this is recorded with Manolo Endo in there. So, um, yeah, it's it, it it's quite exciting. But for whatever reason, Album Photo hasn't really captured the imagination. Um, and... Um, you know, I suppose it would be a pity if a horse that hasn't captured the imagination goes and gets mentioned in the same breath as some of those, you know, all-time greats. What if Album Photo knows that what's on the line at Channel? I mean, if he wins a third, there's a bar in it for him at the very least at the race course, isn't there? Possibly his staff. Booth. We, 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 we could a all selfie meet booth. <laughs> we could all meet in the Album Photo for Pine before the, the Tuesday <laughs> next year. If we're back here. Um, ben, what, what's on your radar for the Gold Cup? Um, I still hold very high hopes for for Champ. Um, I don't think it's a negative that we haven't seen him. Obviously, I've already touched on it, but essentially, Nicky Henderson feels like he hasn't had the right right sort of race at the right time to run him. Um, he is going to go to the Denman, I believe. And at 12 to 1, really, if you're trying to bet in the race now, you're looking for something that's going to contract significantly in, in the next few weeks. And, and he could be one if he goes, A, if he just shows up um, and, and 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 that shows that the horse is sound, that usually, even if he even if he doesn't win in, in great style, then that will usually mean that, he, that he'll contract a little bit. But if he goes and, and puts in a really, um, a really good performance, he'll probably have the likes of Native River to, to run against perhaps in that race, that Denman chase at Newbury. So, he could be a bit a bit of a mover. It wouldn't be a surprise at all to see him to see him contracting price if he goes and makes a successful reappearance. Uh, I'm a little bit concerned about his jumping still. Um, he was quite slow in the RSA at times and got a little bit behind. And obviously his his remarkable engine that he's got just got him out of trouble in in, in the end. Um, but I think it'll be interesting to see who they pick to ride him. Obviously, he won't be Barry Garrity. I'm not convinced he's necessarily Aidan Coleman's type of horse to ride. He's a he's a quite a patient jockey who um, isn't necessarily that active in the saddle all the time. I would like to see more of a sort of Richard Johnson maybe to 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 fire him into a few fences and, and make his mind up for him a little bit more. So that'll be interesting um, to see who rides him. So that's definitely on my radar. And, and essentially, I think he's still one of the most interesting horses in the race. Um, Along with along with Manella Indo as well, I still think he's he's very very promising. So th- those are the two really that I'm keeping an eye on, hoping that we see Champ in the next few weeks and and hoping he can he can he can put in a good performance and set up a, a big run in the Gold Cup. It'd be great for the race to see him come through Newbury and throw his hat into the ring. Last but not least, Ed, I'm I'm Manella Indo. I backed him last year and I agree with why. I think he was supposed to be the best horse in that race and I. I'm hoping he comes to unscathed at the weekend, live on ITV, and underlines his Gold Cup credentials. Ed Chamberlain, what's on the Chamberlain shortlist? He he might not come through that test on Sunday because it, this is this is my Marie's Rock theory that went so well beforehand with non-runner no bet ahead of the festival. The horse I would it might sound dark. But the horse if I had a bet non-runner no bet for the Gold Cup would actually be Mellon. Um, who we haven't mentioned at all yet, who always comes good, it seems, at the Cheltenham Festival. Doesn't win very often, obviously. But I I just listened and chuckled with all the interviews with Patrick Mullins uh, after Christmas, the way he was ribbed mercilessly by the jockeys on ITV in a race he probably should have won, and he's held his hands up. I think Patrick gives as good an interview as anyone in racing, actually. 
And I just think if he wins on Sunday, which he could well do, he's the one who's going to shorten up dramatically because he's, what, 25, 33 to 1 for the Gold Cup. And if I was to have a, a bet, non-runner, no bet, it would actually be on Mellon. And I can see you're laughing, or do you think this is another crazy yeah. one? No, genuine, not, not compared to Marie's rock, I don't. I don't, I, don't <laughs> think, I don't think you've been drinking at this stage. I, I agree. I, I did have a laugh when this story came through from the Zoom call with Sporting Eyes Willie Mullins on Monday, where they said they'd changed tactics with Mellon um, at the weekend. I, 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 I took that as a given after the, the last day. <laughs> Poor Patrick. But <laughs> yes. well, he's, he's seriously talented. I mean, does he want three and a quarter? We'll find out a lot more at the weekend. Who'd ride him? Unlikely at the moment, and it would appear to be unlikely that that is going to change between now and the start of the festival. It might do, but uh, there has been talk of him turning professional, um, albeit briefly, then riding a sufficiently low number of um, of uh, winners un- as a professional to be able to turn back to being an amateur again. But I think that's probably uh, a, a probably reasonably far fetched. <laughs> what is the what would the limit be there? What in number of wins? Yeah. Well, I, I think it, it. Yeah, I just had relatively small. But let, it would be if he went and had a really good Cheltenham. It would be few enough. But it would hardly be in the spirit of uh, of everything. But um, you know, as people point out, the, the thought that Patrick Mullins isn't an elite sports person is a bit odd. Uh, when he's clearly a, 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 an elite sportsman with a capital E. But, um, you know, I suppose lines have got to be drawn somewhere, haven't they? A story with miles left to run in that one. Well, we've run out of time. We've got no more miles left to run. So thanks to Ed, Rory, Ben and Cornelius for their thoughts. Gold Cup memories there and a look ahead to this year. As we're back next week, looking ahead, looking back on the novice hurdles, our favourite novice hurdle memories, which might not be as crystal clear, but I've a bit of prep work for this one, chaps. Uh, and a look ahead to this year's Novice Hurdles at the Cheltenham Festival. But before then, say thank you to listening. It's a wonderful weekend racing. Dublin Racing Festival, Sandown, Cracking Card there, Musselburgh 2, uh, Weatherby, the Towton. So, so much to look forward to. Fingers crossed the weather doesn't intervene. The pick of it live on ITV. Head over to Timeform for all the race passes, previews that you'll need for the action. Don't forget to stay on sportinglive.com for all our reports, previews, etc. And as Cornelius dropped the mention there, some interesting podcasts coming too, talking about the Cheltenham Festival heroes of yesteryear, talking to those closely connected with the horses. Thanks for listening to this Sporting Life podcast. For more, visit sportinglife.com and you can find us on social media at Sporting Life on Twitter and at facebook.com forward slash sportinglifeofficial.com.